Welcome back to the Daily Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard, and every week I am bringing you five episodes to help you up-level your life, grow your business, if that's for you, and see the world a little bit differently. We are so happy to have you here, so let's get this started, shall we? Guys, wow. Welcome back to the Daily Hype Podcast. You're gonna lose it over this guest today. V and I had an incredible, incredible conversation about the way that we move forward as people and as entrepreneurs in the online space while considering things like the BIPOC experience, how ethical we are being, are we being transparent, are we being fully aligned? It's a really great conversation that pushed my limits, that made me think differently. I know you're going to think differently, and she's just incredible. If you are not following VP Wright, I don't know what you're doing. Follow her at the VP Wright. Um, she's incredible. She's um she's literally a Renaissance woman. She's a mother of two. She's an author, a serial creative entrepreneur. But what she focuses on is life coaching for creative entrepreneurs, but also being a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert and teaching about anti-racism. It is unbelievable the amount of free information she gives away on her Instagram page. I cannot wait for you guys to learn more about her. I've been following her for so long and loving her content looking up to her as one of, you know, my inspirations. And um, so, yeah, let's take it away. Enjoy the episode, guys. So I have just introduced the wonderful VP, right? But now she is sitting in front of me. I mean, not really via via Zoom, but do you want to say hi to everybody? We'll see you in a couple of weeks. My God, that's so true. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right, so do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, everyone. Apologies for the crappy mic quality. <laughs> no, don't worry. Uh, I got kicked out of my podcast station. Um, hi, my name is VP Wright. Uh, from, the, from the sounds of it, uh, I am a mompreneur of two, and I'm also married uh, to a entrepreneur as well by the name of Chuck Wright. Uh, I am a certified life coach and... Um, inclusive business mentor based out of Houston, Texas. Um, and we've had quite the year, clearly. So um, that's, mm-hmm. that's been a lot of fun. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but what I do is I actually help people go through their entire business. Um, it's funny because Ashley says she Marie condos people's businesses. And so I essentially go in and I, um, Wesley snipes your business into shape. We'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so oh, good. Cool. <laughs> we go in and we kick your business's ass um no but in all seriousness we go in and we go through your policies your procedures we go through um your uh pre- our product suites we go through your marketing strategies we go through everything and say okay hey is this actually operating from a sustainable, ethical, and inclusive lens? What does that mean? Are you creating a business that's actually accessible to all people? Are you ensuring that you have a proper amount of representation, not only externally, but also internally? Are you hiring in diverse ways? Are you ensuring that your language is not um, ableist or racist or sexist in nature? Um, Do your policies actually create space for folks to feel safe in? Mm -hmm. And 
there's of course a lot of benefits to this because one, like most people want to be able to actually have a business that's fairly um, accepting of all people for the monetary side, which, you know, cool for you if that's what your thing is, but people are going to see past that if it's actually what you're after. My goal is to help folks see that, hey, your identity and what you do matters, who you are matters. And as you get to know people for who they are, having proper resources and materials for those folks through product suites or payment plans or actual free content or resources, whatever it is, is going to help uh, that community member along that journey. So that is what I do. It's a lot of fun. I primarily work with a lot of coaches, um, consultants, and folks who are in, run community-based businesses, so people who typically are leading large groups of people, um, and it's great. It's it's really cool. Like I literally get to help people change the world, quite literally, so that's fun. Well, what's funny is that if anyone wants to take away anything from that statement, she is changing the world. Like oh. You reach so many people with such good messages. And I am always one to admit that I know very little about very little. Like I know what I know and that's about it. And so I do turn to experts to kind of say like, hey, by the way, you might be thinking about this wrong. And the amount that I've learned from you as well as so many other educators and um, incredible change makers in the space, it really is so giving the way that you are with your time and with your resources so that you can kind of like bring people together And I think you do it in a really inspiring way. So I'm really happy that you're here and that people are like able to listen because A, you do so much. You do so much. I know, I'm kind of crazy. You do so much with so much change. So it's not even like you're just doing it to be busy. You're doing it with like actual impact. But you're, to your point, a mom, you're a wife. So like there's all these different parts of you as well where it's like, I always tell people, I. I understand that you respect the hustle of me and I understand that people can say that to me, but it is very easy for me to be a hustler. I don't have kids tugging on my pants or walking in on me in the bathroom. (laughs) I don't have homework to oversee. I don't have, you know, all of these different things that a lot of different entrepreneurs in this space are dealing with. And for you guys, I mean, I have so much more respect for you because it's really so much more of a juggling game where I can play hooky on an afternoon and sit out on my patio, you know? So what has this experience been like for you as a mom? Yeah, so it's been a journey. Um, It's funny because one of the reasons why I started my business was because like as a mom, we were homeless um, when I started my business. Uh, I had just given birth birth to my daughter. She was three months old and we couldn't afford to live in our apartment anymore. And like the drive from where my husband and I worked in home was like 80 miles round trip. Mm -hmm. and it was wild and we were like yo there's no way we can do this anymore and also like try to sustain everything else um while hardly making any money I said okay well I know just looking up salary wise what most folks make for individual roles which I was doing for one um where I was working at the time I was doing like 14 different jobs for like 11 bucks an hour and that was not going to work that's okay let's let's try doing something that is more sustainable and allows me to be at home more. And I ended up working with someone by the name of Taylor Peters, who's, she's incredible. Um, She and I connected, I ended up working with her for three months and we launched my business and I had a $25,000 launch all while like 
working with the kids and taking them to and from work with me and figuring things out with my husband and all of that. And it was really hard. It's been pretty difficult, like trying to balance those things. Whenever I transitioned to full-time, which happened about four months later, it then turned into, okay, like you, you no longer have um, the huh, flexibility of finding like a, a, a babysitter so, so that they could watch them while you're at work. Because at least it's, that's like, okay, I'm at work. When people think right. you're at home, they just assume that, oh, well, you're home. You you're can free. do cooking. Uh, yeah, the the, the, the child caring, the, the, all that. And then also, you know, work and do your thing. You, you have free time. I'm like, no, like I literally, I wish. <laughs> yeah, like, I wish I had free time. It's like, I, I work for myself, which means like anything that is occurring within a business um, that people don't see, I'm also doing while also doing the things people do see externally, like the coaching or the marketing aspects, right? Everything that's sure. happening. So then it's been really difficult. Uh, but I think what has helped over the last, I'm, I've almost been in business two years now, which is wild. So over the last two years, it's helped a lot is, is really leaning on a team that can like assist you. So for a while we had a nanny, now we're looking, we're looking into the, getting the kids in daycare. A lot of our friend, friend groups love our kids. That's super helpful as well. Uh, folks who, once I got to a point where I was hiring folks out, like getting people who were actually completing tasks and getting those done. Like for example, Ashley and I are going to work together. <laughs> so it's like building folks actually help you because for me, like I know that I only have like four hours a day to do what I need to do. I don't have eight to 10 to 12. Well, how many hours a lot of folks who don't have kids or don't, or don't have spouses or whatever. I have, I have any hour, you know, and that's right. the thing. And this is not like a woe is me, but there is a little bit of guilt sometimes where I'm like, I, this, it, it is easy to do anything if you have time, you know, and I have time and, you know, it's, it's funny because like, to your point, I have any hour, you know, the fact that you have four, I can't imagine. Right. And you do so much in those four hours and you really make it work. It's pretty incredible. When you got that first $25,000 launch, what was that like? I think no. my mind would have fucking blown off of my shoulders. That was wild. Like, so what's going like, crazy what? about that? <laughs> yeah. So I had just sold out a book launch that I did mm -hmm. um, a month prior to that happening because I'm a, I'm a published author. I, I published a poetry book back in 2019. And so I had the book launch in concert for that that like 30 days prior. And then I went into launch mode for my coaching program. And so I, I didn't really think that people would actually be interested in it because, <laughs> because a lot of people still have questions around coaching, especially at that time. And so going from, okay, like I was kind of scared to put that out to like, okay, well, I'm gonna see if anyone's interested and then getting nine applications and seven mm -hmm. out of the nine people like booking in and seeing like, yo, like you have, 25 grand that's on the way over the next year and it, cause it wasn't all at like, once it, totally yeah I, at that point it was over the next year and I was working I was making more at that point than I was at my nine to five so it's right. like oh like so you're like wait I just made 25 grand which is like two thousand dollars a month ish for the next year so my life changed overnight yeah literally it changed in from 
like that June, if I started working on it, to that in August. So over the course of a summer, my life changed radically. What's uh, so funny is I think that people think that you need all these, you know, I'm onboarding for Square One Accelerator right now. So I'm hearing all the things like, I don't have time and I don't have this. And I'm not going to sit here and act like that stuff's not valid. It is a thousand percent valid, right? Mm -hmm. It's just so funny because I'm like, you don't even know how fast it's going to happen. You don't mm -hmm. even know. And it sounded like a sales pitch when people said it to me. It sounded like a sales pitch when I say it out loud. But the thing is, is that this is not some like multi-level marketing thing where I'm like, just buy the starter kit and then get started on your own. It's like, no, 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 no. These are life skills that are, first of all, transferable into any position that will make you infinitely better at your job. But it's also so crazy to me because it's like, for instance, one of my clients is worked on a campaign of a senator and did his email setup. Sure. And in, in her email setup, sorry. Um, so it's like, it's not just like a lot of people just talking about online business. It's like, we're actually doing things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of my clients is a major brand in the fashion industry. One of my clients is, so it's, it's just so funny because what you're saying is the kind of thing that I feel like I preach all the time, but then it's sometimes I'm like, it sounds fake, but it's truly overnight. You made $25,000. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's, and it, and I, and I tell people, it's like, you know, I don't consider myself a, a, uh, overnight success, quote unquote, what happened occurred overnight for the most part, but I don't consider myself an overnight success because yeah. it took me like five years of testing things to figure out what actually worked for me in order to find what works. So like when I first started, I was like an Instagram, Instagram influencer. Like that's, yeah. that's what I was yeah. trying to do was that kind of thing. Um, which no shame in that because some folks like kill that, um, mm -hmm respectfully and then yeah, yeah. Um, I went from there to uh doing artist management because I I have 10 years in the music business industry uh -huh. I literally lived a whole other life before I I came into this space but um I have 10 years in the music business so like I was doing artist management and venue management um and that was amazing I'm still obsessed with that work I'm still that's why I'm getting my master's in music business because of that you're work. getting your wait hold on yeah I told you did I'm you wild. just did you just I know, but how are you a client of mine? And I didn't know that you were getting a master's. You're getting your master's? Yeah. Now I'm, I'm really like a class a quarter. So it's gonna, it, a year program was taking me like five years, but yeah, I'm getting my but master's. still, I mean, that's incredible though. I don't like, but here's the thing. This is why you're different though. You are long haul. Mm -hmm. And I think that long haul, this is my theory. People who are in it for the long haul and who focus on long-term goals, are compassionate people because you're mm. able to see the full scope, right? So you're not saying it has to happen now and it has to happen my way and there's the only way that it'll work and I'm driven by fear. Long game people, people like us, where we're like, mm, something can falter, but like I'm in here for a while. I'm, I'll get my yeah. master's when I'm working away at it over time, right? There's an yeah. element of like understanding and compassion and like allowance for because that's what you're doing with your road yeah literally like with my master's with my business all those things right like I don't see this being something I'm doing for the next couple of years and I'm like chunking a deuce like this is like no like I got my 
bachelor my bachelor's degree in period ethical studies so I could then go out to whoever I was going to be at and do work around diversity equity and inclusion did I think that I was going to be you know doing diversity equity inclusion anti-racism work in the lens of business coaching no <laughs> probably like, not no like I not at all I thought I was gonna be like I, I was gonna take my master's in, in higher education initially right did I think I was going to be applying those skills in a coffee shop? Did I think it was going to be applying those skills in a music venue? No. But what you can do is literally take the skills that you learn and transfer them where they need to be. Make space for yourself. Create opportunities for yourself because your degree is not going to create opportunities for you. When I graduated, I was pregnant with my son. Like, nobody would hire me even though my resume was stacked. Fuck a resume at this point. Like, mm-hmm. it does not matter. Your no. degree does not matter. People want to see what you can actually do like your skill set what can you actually do that's why google right now has a whole collection of certificate programs where they're like if you can complete this certificate you can work for google fuck a degree right Mm -hmm. and and i'm not saying that because like i'm like you know you don't need school i'm saying it because oh girl i have a whole podcast that says don't go to college so don't worry we are aligned i mean and and, and my whole thing there is also go to college but go to college because you want to and because you understand the financial commitment that you are signing up for. Don't blindly go to college because you want mom and dad to pay for a keg party that you're going to for four years, right? Right. So, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, to your point, I always tell people like major in something you're gonna enjoy studying. So you have to go to class, right? Um, But everything lies in kind of like your internships and to your point to like your work, like what are you gonna do? I'm, I went to school at Missouri State University in Springfield, and I knew going to school in Missouri that I wasn't going to be a leg up when I moved to New York, right? So what I did is I interned with all these different places in St. Louis, which was a three-hour drive away. So I was driving three hours all the time for different events and meetings because I was like, well, they're the closest big city, which is where mm-hmm. I'm from, but I didn't go to school here. Um, and then I had I took an internship in New York for one summer and that way nobody could fucking come at me about experience or the fact the fact that I went to school in Missouri for fashion which is like not necessarily a hub right so what I could do is I could actually go to these companies and say I worked for one of the largest magazines in regional magazines in the nation um I was working on sets I was working with major designers I met major designers I helped with this Then I also moved to New York. I had this fashion internship, this internship, and those people helped me get a job. And the thing is, is that not one fucking time did people (laughs) care about my GPA or where I went to school. They were just like, cool, you know Excel, you know how to be on time, your resume looks professional, you know how to hold yourself in a meeting in this interview, we're good. It's so funny, right? It's really odd because because I think, especially if you're coming from a place where you have a degree or a certificate or whatever you have that is more of a okay you can get something done and you can commit to something long term right that's more than what that's more to what that is than anything else and i think um you know that's why like it's so funny because i grew up very much like an an elite educationalist i think that's what i i want to say basically so I just assumed that like if you didn't go to college and you couldn't make anything else your life because I was told that which is utter shit it's it's such shit such Mm -hmm. shit and now being in a space where it's like yo like I didn't get 
I didn't I didn't become a six-figure earner because like I had a job that I landed that is paying me six figures. No, I became a six-figure owner because I created the opportunity for myself and I had the skills to do so and I had the resources. And so that makes me very lucky, especially as a multiracial, multi-ethnic black human, like that, like somebody who's like out in the world and, I, and already has a whole bunch of things systematically against them, right? For me to have the resources and skills, it puts me a leg up because I knew that. So now my goal is like making sure that anybody who knows or wants to do what I did can do it. They don't have to walk through a system that's continuously oppressing them or not creating opportunities for them because it wasn't built to do that. Well, that's where we're similar, but different. I think both of us are like, I walked through the fire. Let me pave pave a path. The difference is that I don't have to pave a path about being oppressed. I never have been Mm -hmm. right. Everything has worked out in my favor and that's not on accident. Um, and were you in business last June when the George Floyd thing happened? I was. And, it, and what was that like? Uh, exhausting. Um, was it frustrating that people wanted to now work with you? Was it exciting that people now wanted to? Did people now want to work with you because they were like, okay, so I should be like working with people. Like, girl. what is that like on your end? Because on my oh. end, I was annoyed, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm allowed to be annoyed because I'm not the one in that position annoyed is like an understatement (laughs) like especially because you're not just like let's hire a black coach you're like I'm gonna teach you about diversity inclusion and equity right so it's like not only is it like oh someone on my staff should be a person of color it's also like teach me diversity teach me inclusion I'm so behind and it's like whoa I it's a Tuesday (laughs) yes it's literally a Tuesday it's literally a Tuesday like it just (laughs) like it it was like I have to do my taxes like I have a plan for my year like you're it's like so did you accommodate did you pivot like what was that what was that like if you want to talk about it if you don't I'm crossing a line tell me no 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 it's good so there's like a journey with all of that because prior to BLM happening last year we were still pivoting from COVID so Mm. (laughs) being especially where I was at at the time because I was still doing a lot of coaching for creative entrepreneurs for the most part and they had all just lost especially black and brown musicians down here in Houston they had all just lost their work because of COVID so the the radio the rodeo shut down South by Southwest shut down um and so they were like, what do I do? So I was giving a lot out for free to folks to just help them figure their stuff out, like pivoting to online work. I gave a whole bundle out to teachers, folks who need to learn how to use systems like Zoom and things like that. Um, I was doing all of that. And then end of May happens when George Floyd was murdered and everybody saw it. And it was like, people took their rose colored glasses off and realized that, oh crap, Black people and people of color are being incredibly oppressed. I need to do something. And then everybody like took off everything. And because my content was already centered around that to begin with, like it was like it was there was one post that I shared specifically around it that blew up. And then all of a sudden I had like over literally overnight, 2000 people followed me. 2000 overnight. Overnight. And I started receiving hundreds of DMs every single day for seven days straight. And it was the most overwhelming experience I had ever gone through. Um, Well, you're because you're also like, I'm trying to take care of myself. 
in my through family. this emotional journey of watching a part of our community like experience this again right and on top of that now you're like oh so now what like i'm curious what the thought was was it feeling like great now i have to take care of everybody else i can't even take care of myself during this or was it like oh now you care or like what was it <laughs> That was it. So, so there's, it's so funny because it's, I know where I can be very candid here. Um, but it's funny because a lot of my friends who are also in the space say that I have a very particular patience for white people. So like, I do though, like you actually do. <laughs> so, so while this is all happening, yeah, it is. And so like, it's, it, when it all, when everything was happening, I was very patient through the process. If somebody crossed the line, I would communicate them and be like, yo, like I've already given you this much. If you need anything else, like book me for a consultation. Can't do anything else. Um, mm-hmm. Started doing more presentations for folks because there were so many questions. I did a whole training with the uh, coach training program I went through with them in partnership. And we had a whole bunch of folks go in there. I now have a whole program that was birthed from a workbook that I ended up making that took me three weeks to make because I got so many consistent questions, right? And so mm-hmm. that whole time, as the summer kind of waned on, it went from overwhelmed to like, over- overwhelmed exhaustion to like, well, what the hell just happened? Exhaustion, because you go from getting so much like, inquiries and wanting to bring people in and wanting to have them there and all this stuff and people are just trying to basically catch up because oh they realize that their entire staff their entire team and their entire community is white and so they want to add some diversity in and you know like like, oh shit right like the oh shit but they're doing all this without actually going in and doing the work to actually prepare for these folks to be there until the spaces are toxic as fuck while also (laughs) Now you, you have this one black or brown person who's trying to basically be a diversity quota um, and they feel unsafe in that space. Right. You can't pay anyone enough to be in a space like that, you know? So like, right. it's, for me, like I said, okay, like if I'm going to continue to do this work, which I did fully like end up pivoting into just inclusive business coaching because I was seeing, a, I'd already been seeing these patterns in the coaching industry that I knew just needed to change. So I, pivoted primarily into that and then I created my program that the inclusive entrepreneur because I was still getting those questions people still wanted guidance and help and that's that's been incredible but it, it's awful that what happened had to happen in order for folks to actually take this process of, do, of doing quote-unquote doing the work when it comes to diversity equity inclusion and anti-racism so seriously it is. Yeah. And I, I, do you know how you're so patient? Do you like equate that to something? Um, I mean, I, so I grew up in Pullman, Washington, go Cougs, Washington State University. That's where I also went to college. Washington and... State? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How the hell? Okay. I'm sure we're getting to how you ended up in Texas, but damn, that's a move. Yeah. So, so my brother was born there. I was raised there. Both my parents taught there. My dad got his master's there we have a lot of family ties to WSU. And um, at the time when I was living there, we were like one of four black families in that town that lived there permanently outside of the student wow, population. Really? Yeah. Um, and then everyone else was white for the most part. So you get to know like people really well and you get assimilated into culture really well. Sure. And 
this space was like a blue speck in a sea of red, basically. Um, it was on the east side of Washington. It's very much um, not necessarily conservative, but just very Republican space and policy outside of this one little town. Um, which again, if you're a Republican, like, cool. Like, I, I don't care as long as you love people. You That's can my recognize thing. Them. I'm technically yeah. a registered Republican because fiscally that's how I was voting when I was like 18. Right. I right. was like, well, the, the tax, I don't want to be taxed like crazy. Right. And then I grow up and I'm like, yeah, there's people that are really hurt by some of these policies. I think I have to change my mm -hmm. ways. And I haven't aligned with the party for a while and I'm pushed even further and further away. Um, but I think I kind of deterred from your point where you were talking about like, you know, this town that you grew up in. So I, I apologize. Yeah. But. No, 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 you're good. You're good. I think it, it's all relevant, right? Because, because of that, I can understand why some white folks behave the way they behave. Like when you're operating in a space that is built for you to succeed in, we don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to have any assumptions placed on you. When you know that whatever you do, you're going to be okay. It's a lot easier to move from a day-to-day -day space versus being in a space where you could potentially be attacked or harmed um when you could be discriminated against all of those things that occur there's very there's two very different viewpoints on that and so i could understand that specific viewpoint because i have been around it my entire life literally mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so you know, it kind of reminds me of like the why would we ever abolish the police conversation because i get rid of it that's my train <laughs> but my thing is like you like my friends and not necessarily like my group of friends because they all get it but like my let's say like people in my community here in st louis would be like why would you ever do that like we need to be safe and i'm like no 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 no. your version is the right version the ones mm -hmm. that like aren't looking out for problems or causing problems when there isn't one like they're not outside of your door or on your street or like, you know, messing with you because you have a certain license plate or whatever it's going to be. Um, my sister had a license plate that had like some funny statement on it when we were in high school, it was like her nick, like her nickname. And she got pulled over all the time and people would be like, oh, you're fine. And she was like, why? Like, why am I just fine? You know? Um, St. Louis itself is super segregated. And I don't think I knew that until I left. And oh, it's driving through St. Louis is a mind fuck. <laughs> it's well, and it's so bad because I had to do a lot of reconciling because, especially when I moved to New York, because spaces are so integrated, which is great in New York. Right. But in mm -hmm. St. Louis, there are places that are black and white, and that's how it is. And you don't think of it as segregated. You're just like, well, that's where she would live. And I thought those things when I was a kid because it was just like, I didn't know anybody but the people that, I, that were around me, right? And when I moved to New York, I was like, I had to do on learning and I'm glad that I recognized it and called it out in myself and didn't, you know, maybe I judged myself a little bit, but I probably needed to be judged where I was like, is this a safe place? Is this not a safe place? And it was like, wow, instead of me saying like, this space is wrong or like this you know it's it's not safe because we're all so integrated i'm you know glad that i was like 
that was not a correct way to write to be raised mm -hmm. like that was not a correct city that was not a correct space and then when ferguson happened oh that's that's when i was like mind blown at the politics at play because ferguson and a lot of people don't know this listening unless you're from st louis and you're listening ferguson is a part of st louis like ferguson is a county of st louis that would be like saying the Flatiron district of new york city or that would be like saying this you know navy pier in chicago it's like it's not a city ferguson is a is a part of st louis when you land in the airport you're in ferguson like that is st louis and so it's it was really crazy to me that i was like who was involved to change this narrative to not be st louis Right. Because they're the same thing. So yeah. who was like, we're not going to make this a St. Louis problem. It's a Ferguson problem. And to this right. day, people are like, oh, Ferguson, Missouri, do you live anywhere close to that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like that's St. Louis. And they're like, oh, I thought it was like far from a city. And I'm like, no. And it, so being from here, there was like realizations I had to make where I was like, I went through all of it. And I went through, oh, is this a safe place because there aren't I'm a minority. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's you're you're human. Like there's humans. You're fine, right? Thankfully, I unlearned that pretty quickly. In New York, you kind of have to, you know. So thankfully, I had that. <laughs> then I had the realization of how racist and segregated this city is, and how ingrained in our brains just living here was for me, and still is. Being back, watching the politic the politicization. The politicization, uh -huh. politicization of a racial problem that was so blatantly obvious, um, but then also like watching people ask for information to Black people for like why is this a problem or why is this a problem and watching specifically like Ijeoma Oluwa, I always say her name wrong on Twitter, getting kind of defensive to white women on Twitter saying like I am not your educator, like you go yeah. figure it out, you go figure it out. And that triggered me where I was like, but why? Why can't we ask a question? And so then I was like, okay, well, she's obviously right. You know, like if that's her emotions, then I'm just not understanding something. So I have to do the work to understand what she's mad about. Because if I don't understand, then that just means I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. So then I start doing my own learning to realize like that is completely correct. Like how much more burden needs to be placed on the shoulders of black women and trans women and black trans men and women and, um, black men and the fear of that and black children. And it's like, you start to just like start to piece it away and you start to realize like all these things that you read about in the history books, growing up in a place that you think that all of that stuff is in the past. Right. Just not. No. And I don't know where this whole tangent came from, but I guess it was just like a connection of like, everybody has to do their unlearning at some point. And yeah. you grew up in a place where you were probably like that one person where I grew up in a place where there was one person, you know? Mm. And see, and that's, and that's wild. And all of that is just implicit bias, literally. And so for me, what I've been able to do is like, if I, if someone ever comes at me with like really defensive or like borderline or full-blown like racist or explicit bias um, towards me, I'm like, that's just your implicit bias. And they're like, what? I'm like, what you're giving me right now is literally just what has occurred in your brain, any assumptions and stereotypes and your archetypes that you've learned through your experiences in society placed off of you, off of your identity. That is your implicit bias. I have nothing to do with that. Literally, mm. that is all mm. you. And 
what we as a country, a lot of folks have been doing the last and now year or longer, it's not been longer, but the last year, people are realizing that like, yo, like I have done some racist things or I've done some sexist things. Or I've done some homophobic things. I didn't even realize it I thought it was okay. No, it wasn't okay. It never really was ever okay. There just wasn't what? a microphone present. Right, exactly. And so with the combination of the pandemic and technology, um, people were able to actually see like, oh crap, like I need to really take some time to actually learn and unlearn and figure out how I can be more present or how I can operate in actually work with folks with more empathy and understanding. Um, I think, especially in the coaching industry, because there were a lot of folks who basically like <laughs> just ruined their careers last year because of this, but like, for example, if your coaching methodology is exclusive to the experiences of Black, Indigenous, people of color, there's a problem, right? If your sales methodology is playing into the pain points of fears of folks that those fears are definitely tied to historical um, discrimination that's based off of financial burdens and experiences, that's a problem. If your marketing tactics are exclusionary of folks both externally and then internally when it comes to your hiring process in your community. It's a problem. There is multiple things about the online business industry and, a lot, and me being a coach, a coaching industry that is and has forever been a problem and problematic because it's been exclusionary at the front end on the pricing point. But then because it's exclusionary on the pricing point, people who actually want to get in it can't because they don't see any representation. Right, right, right. right. It's, it's a trickle effect and it keeps totally going. people can make an excuse about oh this doesn't exist here when yes it does the exist is starting at the front end with the price point to actually get in there's no accessibility how about offering a payment plan that nobody is penalized for using right exactly which is one of the things i teach yeah absolutely mm -hmm. like for for example going back to like my story and how i had that twenty five thousand dollar launch i didn't have that launch because everybody paid in full i had that launch because i had payment plans that went up to a year right? Mm -hmm. All of my clientele was Black. Black, Latinx, and uh, Asian Pacific Islander. That was where my, my clientele started off as. That was incredible. I didn't have a pay in full like, client occur until six months later, and it just so happened the person who played me in, cool, in full was a white woman. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that ever happened. So I was like, yo, this is odd. <laughs> that was really odd to me. Mm -hmm. It's, is that it's not it's not on accident though no it's not on accident it's very much systemic and so we have to be able to look at those things even and, and that's not me saying the sorry to cut you off that's not me saying that it's only a white woman that could pay in full it's that there is a possibility and a probability that she has a little bit more like and tell me if i'm misspeaking but like a little bit more of like a oh well there's more of this to come versus like a, I want to make sure that I have every drop accounted for for the next exactly few months. That is exactly what it is. And that is why like, it's so important to create more accessibility for anyone, whoever it is, that should be a part of a part of the program. If it is as transformational as people say that their programs are right. 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 Um, we have to, we have to be able to do that. At the same time as well, if you know you can build the trust, the community, the love, the understanding, the empathy with that, that clientele as well, no matter who they are, 
when you're thinking from a space of okay like who am I serving versus how much money am I making um mm, god you, the amount of times I say that I know but like like people versus profit like it's always it's always going to win and that's why like I've been able to build a really loyal following of like my community is the shit like I love my community they no yours is honestly one of the best on Instagram like they, they for- know you and they love you and they support you but here's the thing is that you do what I teach in square one accelerator is a lot of like community-led programs so like for instance don't just make a passive product ask them what they want ask them how much they want to spend ask them what they need included and see what you can accommodate based on those different factors and then at that end of the the day first of all everyone's going to buy it because they just told you what the fuck they wanted but second of all you're doing it with them in mind um we have like an entry packet that we give to a our all of our clients but b our internal team and the whole the ethos of my business is if you work to get your clients everything they want, you will get everything you want. Mm-hmm. Right? The only way you get everything you want is to make sure someone else gets everything that they want. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I was just having this conversation today is that you have two options really when it comes down to like what you want to focus on, right? You know, there is profit to your point and um, like, am I making money? Am I activating a change? And the thing is, is that if you are not focused, solely focused on activating a change, you will not make money. You can make money though, from like, just if you're, if you're like, I want to, I want to, um, I want to make money. I want to make money. You'll make money, but then it'll stop because you don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And that's not where your focus is. But the thing is, if you focus on that change, if you focus on really helping people, if your focus is like, giving up your precious time to actually help a person that money is going to grow you know yeah. there's a lot of people who like to talk about how they work four hours a month and it really grinds my gears because i'm like you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're working four hours a month and you have all these people hiring you for services who's doing it right you know you're a marketing agency at that point you know yeah. Literally. at the end of the day who is going to be the catalyst for change because that person wins is it someone within your group experience because that person is going to be the people that are like she changed everything for me not you you know Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think like for me like shifting away from like focusing so much on i mean i never really was like profit focused i didn't have to really think about that i had sustainability right so shifting from like i have to hit that'll that's what i'll say i have to hit this certain cash goal every month to, okay, I want to sustainably be in this range or um, I'm taking the time to tackle this amount every month or I'm providing these tools to have a combination of my goals so that way I can get open up more on the support fund because I do have a support fund that I raise fundraise for every month. Like mm-hmm. shifting away from like, I have to hit this goal to I want to get into a range of this providing services for folks who really need these things like that would be great here however at the same time it's like I also know what my basic needs are like if I know my MRR is going to cover my needs for the next couple months so that way I can just get free content out I also am going to do that too because there are folks who who need who need the, the free resources and the content and the support yeah. as well I mean There's- trust me that is not to say don't worry about money because I have you know we have MRR to to- that I have to hit and things like that right so but 
if that's what drives you, you're you're gonna, Not gonna run. No. It's gonna run out. You know. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like finding something that's sustainable, which is why, like, again, you're talking about the long haul portion of things. Like, like you said, you plan on being what in what you're doing for the next five to ten years. I'm very much in the same space. Like, we're preparing to retire early so we can, that way we can actually go out and travel and help people whenever COVID's gone. Bless it be. <laughs> Bless it be. But um, mm-hmm. there is always a way to tap into your purpose. Always. And what will never change is your purpose. What changes is the how. How do you execute said purpose? If you're executing your purpose in a business for the next five or 10 years, dope. If you're going to volunteer at first 10 years of the lab, cool. If you're going back to 95 to do consulting work, cool. Whatever it is, you'll be able to do it. It'll fulfill you if it's tied to your purpose. Mm-hmm. That's totally it. Um, you know, you mentioned Ty, the mm-hmm. inclusive entrepreneur, which I'm so excited to be investing in this year. It is such an incredible opportunity. I know that it's like pretty much full and I know that you may not want to be like fully telling the world about it, but I think it's important to understand like what kind of programs are out there, right? Because there are people who have the patience like you do because God forbid I fucking wouldn't, that's for sure. But like there are people who have the patience to have the conversations that are really tough. Tell us a little bit about what you made. So TIE, the Inclusive Entrepreneur, is a 12-week group program for entrepreneurs of any stature. So the cohort is in its, is wrapping up a second round at the end of this week, which is wild to me. And the folks inside of it make anywhere from like, how are you like a beginner business, they haven't made anything yet, or they're seven-figure business owners. And it has been the coolest experience. We literally go through... Um, a curriculum that's given and let's pre-made and already recorded for folks to work through and there's video audio and written out lessons so whoever wants to learn in various ways they can but the most transformation the most transformative portion of that program is the discussions the program is open to all no matter who they are it's not just for folks who are non-BIPOC it's open to folks who are BIPOC and allies um, I made sure to like have scholarship spots open for folks who are Black and Indigenous people of color because we also have to do our own decolonization and implicit bias work. We don't, people, people it's not just because they are of color or they come from color and they don't have any work to do and believe me, we all have work to do, literally, whether it's through race, gender, sexuality, faith, et cetera, right? So it's, it's inter- trauma-focused work, you know what I mean? Like saying that somebody doesn't have it is by saying to someone that they don't have trauma and that that's not for us to put and on that's anybody. exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And that's specifically why I do it because when you're doing trauma, trauma-focused work, um, you have to be able to recognize how your experiences impacted you and are causing different things like money mindset issues, are causing different things like blocks in your uh, product suite creation, are causing issues around, you know, should you actually open up a long-term payment plan or not? Or, you know, how, why am I not tapping into building a community through identity-based marketing? All of those things are trapped in the fear and those fears have been built because we get taught these things about our identity or who we are. In the tiniest ways, that if we get that if we try to even pivot away from the stereotype or what we learned was correct then we're going to fail when that's not the case and so what we do in TIE is every week we have 12 we have um 12 weekly calls and then we have bi-weekly Q&A calls that my co-coach Hannah leads so she's also fantastic and we dive into the curriculum a little bit but then we actually tackle 
what are like some coaching questions or things that you have about your business that's tied to diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism, or just life in general? And how can we tackle this from an inclusive lens? How can we tackle it full blown? For example, mm -hmm. you were, I was helping one of my mentees build out a product suite. And the very first thing that she said about her product suite was that it was small and that um, her hourly rate was $65 an hour. This woman has a master's degree. So I literally looked in her face, I said, no, <laughs> let's stop yeah, we're there. not charging $65. Nope. No, we are not. Let's stop there and let's tackle it. And what happened was that because of her experiences with her mother fed into her money mindset issues around herself as a business owner, even though she has a master's degree, even though she's really good at what she does as a entrepreneur, even though she's incredibly talented and her, the, the work literally proves for itself, right? But she wouldn't have been able to even dive into that portion without thinking about, yo, like, I think I'm still needing to go back and actually work on the issues that I have stemming with our money when it comes to my relationship with my mom, right? Mm. But if you're not tapping into the identity side of things, you could literally be blocking your own blessings because of what you're willing to tap into when it comes to yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's something I make. Um, people in Square and Accelerator do, I make them do a ladder exercise. Have you ever heard of a ladder exercise? I have, yep. Where it's like, what's really the fear here? And something that I'm super open with, with them and with everything is like, that deepest, deepest fear never really makes any logical sense. Like it's mm -hmm. dumb as shit, right? It's typically like death related if you have a morbidity, mor morbidity thing, or it could be like, I'm gonna be homeless or I'm gonna be, I'm gonna lose my life or my kids are gonna, something's gonna happen to my kids or something's gonna happen to my family, whatever. For me, my like deepest fear on the planet, which is like horrific because it can happen is that my mom's gonna pass away or like my, something's gonna happen to my mom. And mm -hmm. tragically, right? Like if she dies of old age, like may the Lord take her, right? But like, you know, tragically, like something's gonna happen and I'm not gonna be there to take care of her. And so whatever, what always comes up is if like, let's say a really big client of mine decides to go elsewhere um, or something like that, right? Then I'm like, oh my God, I'm never gonna find any business. No, <laughs> I am not scared of that. Mm -hmm. I'm scared if I don't get any more business, what happens to my plans of taking care of my mom? And if I can't take care of my mom, then she's gonna die, right? Yeah. And it's unpacking like, what is every tier of this fear, right? And the quicker you can get down that ladder to like, this is what I'm scared of right now. This is what's the actual fear here. Then you can quicker, qu more quickly overcome it, right? So in that moment, when I'm like, oh my God, what if this doesn't go well, bless you, I don't have to worry about Oh wait, I'm not worried about if this goes well. I'm worried about my mom and my mom's fine. Mm. So that fear that is coming up, I see you and I'm calling you out by name. This fear is related to me losing my mom and she's okay and she's fine and she's healthy and there's literally nothing wrong with her and she is totally taken care of and fine. So I'm not gonna be af afraid of the, my deepest fear anymore. I'm gonna just, just move right along because I'm not actually scared of the thing that I think I'm scared about. And it's the kind of work it sounds like where it's like, what is actually prompting this truly above yeah. all other things right exactly um, <laughs> it's um a process and that's why i love that container because people feel comfortable to be able to talk about those topics without being judged of what could potentially be assumed by them mm -hmm. right like that's really important to me like that's why i have like a no tolerance policy when it comes to like any form of discrimination in any of my spaces because 
my spaces are very queer affirming. They're very affirming for Black, Indigenous people of color. They're very affirming for women, for folks who are wanting to shift away from um, stereotypical uh, capitalist, uh, other words I'm thinking of, sorry. Stereotypical capitalist ways, basically. They, mm -hmm. And they want space to be able to explore that for themselves. And so like, we have to be able to challenge, like, how can we do business differently? How how can we do personal development differently? How can we do life differently to a point where we're actually making space for growth that is so radical? It literally forces you to change the way that you're living and thinking on a regular basis. It's so funny because my mentees, every single time we start, they're like, now that I've seen all of this or now that I've done this work, I can't unsee it. I have clients who watch movies and they're literally picking out archetypes that are like, oh, snap, that's that and that that's that <laughs> I can't unsee this or they're rereading books or what have you right my clients and mentees that happens to them all the time but it's because you have to you have to start and then start analyzing it for yourself and then revisit over and over again and um, what a journey I mean I it unrelated but related I saw this guy on TikTok of all places huh. and he was he was sharing about how villains in cartoons are or actually villains in any movie are actually the only way that people could show homophobic or uh, homosexuality in movies and so in order to show homosexuals in movies it was easier and easier to bypass if they were villains so you'll typically see you know women dressed in more of like a butch way or like dressing as men or you know you'll see men with more feminine characteristics or um, very like campy, gaudy kind of like uh, garb, right? In these different kinds of like, you see it in like Ursula or you see it in like, you know, he was like showing all these different things, Jafar, like all these different like Disney um, aspects where it was like, those villains are gay. Like yeah. they're gay. Like the villains are Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, yeah. It's Definitely like, they're, like, they're gay. It's wild to me because because of their queerness or because of their um, flamboyancy, whatever it is, that would villainize them. So like, imagine being a teenager watching those things growing up and being like, oh, like this super flamboyant, super gay, whatever, whatever person is like, all uh, is villainized or what have you. Is like, a villain, what kind yeah. Of a yeah, they must be bad because they're queer. And that, no or no one <laughs> likes them or we right. hate them or we blah 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 right um while yeah. all this is happening like that was also all occurring while the AIDS pandemic at that point was just ending right so like the archetypes of all of those things that's a whole other conversation that we could have by the way but like the archetypes <laughs> of how all of those appear within society especially in children's films or children's cartoons or what have you like those are things that get embedded in us in the tiniest of ways and so like seeing that in a space where you know queer folks are villainized looking at also people of color like how do we villainize people of color if you look at a lot of films all of the villains tend to be black and brown people. Mm -hmm. A lot of actors have had a hard time, especially folks who um, are Indian or South Asian, um, Pakistani or Palestinian or what have you, right? If they're brown and they're from the Middle East or from South, South Asia or any form of that part of the country, they get casted as terrorists all the freaking time. 
And that's mm. an issue. Like we need further representation around who's actually being presented in. And maybe um, don't like put Emma Stone in as a character when they're actually Asian Pacific. Islanders, exactly. Like you don't Pacific have to, Islanders, thank you. You, yeah. don't, you don't have to finesse like a whole character arc to put in somebody who was clearly white in a, in a space that, you know, you could find other actors for. Like I just, it's really counterproductive. So I think like, there's a lot of work that's being done because of last year that is changing a lot of industries and people are, are becoming more aware of these things. Do you things. think though? Do you think that there's change? Uh, I mean, I will say much. growing up in Missouri, there, I know more that than much. a handful of racists, like people that probably would proudly say that. Some of them noticing things and saying, oh, wow, I have been wrong. I have been incorrect. I'm realizing some things. And it's like, that gives me the smallest piece of hope is that I'm like, you, you of all people, you read that book, you mm. of all people, you are now for reparations, you. Like, mm. so I, I have a little bit of like, wow, this is kind of surprising. I'm not gonna say it's hope, but like these are things are surprising, but it's like, there's so much. Yeah, and so like, I think, like I, in the words of like Leia from Leia Organa from Star Wars, let's have hope. Um, I think I, I, I truly <laughs> this is why people love you though. You realize like I'm a cynic and I'm like, everybody's a fucking asshole. And you're like, let's have hope. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, but I, so I do think that things are changing. I think that by the time I'm dead and gone and my kids, kids are here on the planet and they're walking around, the work that we're doing right now is going to have a significant effect for our grandkids, like significant effect, just like the work that our grandparents did with the civil rights movement. The work that happened then is where is why we're we're here where we're at right now, right? So I think there is hope. I think there's because millennials and Gen Z humans, like especially Gen Z, like they truly do not give a fuck. Like they <laughs> like they're the ones that are running for office and they're building their own companies mm -hmm. and they're changing policy and they're doing a lot of community work because they see the value in community work. And so I do think that there is change happening, especially with everything that happened last year. Like there's more folks who are calling for accountability and are calling for change from these larger corporations and companies to actually be held accountable to what they say they're going to do. And, and then there's also, and I, I know people like, I'm probably gonna get a lot of sock from this, but there are a lot of white people who are recognizing where they can actually put themselves on the line to make change for somebody else who doesn't have that privilege. And that wasn't the case 10 years ago when Trayvon Martin was shot and killed. Like the response from what happened then, which was like the first instance of Black Lives Matter is coming up to what happened with George Floyd 10 years later, almost, um, are two very different reactions. And it's all it's really because more white folks are realizing that, yo, they're saying, yeah, I, I have a part in this. They recognize their part. They recognize how, because they were unaware, it was basically a lot of complacency on top of it. So that they're willing to disrupt any of that to now make a significant change in that. And so I think the more that occurs, the more people are actually willing to have more conversations around it, the better it's gonna be. Conversation and action through policy change is gonna help. I also love reminding people that people of color, the 
babies being born right now are primarily humans of color. So in the next 18 years, you're going to see a radical change in what the country actually looks like. It's not like it's going to be a a completely different country. And so in order for us to get ready for that, we have to actually say, like, what policy changes are we going to make? Because we're going to be ready for them. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be ready? Like, how are we actually going to react to that? Because what's going to happen is that the things that were systemically oppressing people based on race or gender are not going to be as relevant anymore because everybody at this point is going to be of color in one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, how are people going to start oppressing people? Through money. And if we have to make sure that we're educating people financially, educating people to really divest from systems that don't create equity for all people, because that's how people are going to start tackling folks as is through their money. It's already happening. of our wealth is owned by the wealthy people. You know what I mean? So like we, excuse me, 99%. So like we have to be able to tackle, how do we spread that out next? And how can we create more resources for all folks? And I mean, it it takes work like this to do that. So, you know, I think it's working. I think folks like us make that happen because we are really driven in that, but you mm -hmm. know. And one thing I'm loud about it, mainly because I know that I didn't know better for a long time, you know? And so for me, I kind of want to be like, you guys can change your minds, you know, like you can, you can change your mind. And not that I had to change my mind where I like believed something, but it's like, I had to unlearn more than I had to like change my Mm. mind. You know what I mean? Um, But the thing is, is like to white people listening, you have to not be scared of fucking up because you're going to. And that's what has given me the most peace is like, I'm not going to sit here and tiptoe so I don't make a mistake. I'm going to accept the fact that I'm going to. And Mm -hmm. that is how you trudge forward is by saying, I'm going to say the wrong thing to somebody. I'm going to use the wrong pronoun. I'm going to ask a question that is completely across the line and not know it. I'm not going to understand what this person's experience is and still do and say whatever the fuck is on your mind. Because if someone calls you out, you're not dead. Like you're, you're fine. Your ego might be bruised, but then you can educate your community and say, I had literally no clue. And what does that tell us about our collective unlearning? Did you guys know this? Are you doing the work to unpack what I hadn't unpacked yet? And I feel like, because people will say to me, like, aren't you scared about being called out? And I'm like, no, because I'm going to, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, am I scared that it's going to rain soon? No, it's going to rain. I can't really do fucking anything about that. But the goal is not to be like saying the right thing. The goal is to say anything and to get it wrong and to be like, not a fucking dick if something bad happens. You're fine. You're yeah. literally fine if apologize. you say the wrong thing. Just apologize. apologize. Like, and, and I think it's also a good reminder too is that for what you can say, there are a lot of folks who can't say anything because yes. of legitimate fear, right? So being able to say something and to acknowledge and to be very honest and open and help influence that change should be like at the front end of people's minds, especially if you are white or white passing, because there is so much more that your the way in your voice can do more for the folks who look like you, like point blank period, the way in your voice can, can do so much more if they look like you. Right. So like 
<laughs> it's just like a running joke. It's like, all right, my white friends, like, go get, go get your people. We, we gotta get it together. Go get them. Go get your people. Go get them together. And and it starts with, you know, it can be small things. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and act like someone who's not a rallier should be a rallier because, like, everybody, in my opinion, has a place, and that's something that I could oh, no, have wrong, right? But it, is real, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like I don't want my friend who is really quiet and shy to be the person who's gonna rally. Like, don't maybe, but like. Think about what what yours is then, right? Think about what your place is then. And so, for instance, like on my intake forms, I specifically say we are in support of the BIPOC community in ways where, like, we are not transphobic. We think Black Lives Matter. We do not support Blue Lives Matter. We believe in this. We believe in this. And they have to check a box before they even get on a call with me. Do I think it deters people from getting on calls with me? Probably. Do I think that some people lie and maybe check the box? Sure. But the point of that to people that are listening and want just one thing, this is something that I found helpful for the people who are in the BIPOC community is that they're like, I know I'm not sitting next to somebody who's like, fuck you. And I mm -hmm. wish for your demise. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I don't agree with this super basic understanding of human beings. Um, mm -hmm. And it's things like that where people will be like, I want to be in your space. There's a woman who is has a Iranian background and she's like my name looks like to people a terrorist name and I chose you because I know that I'll feel safe and that mm. to me is like the best compliment a person can possibly give me because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing you know what I mean but I feel like that's an example not to say I'm the example I think that I have a long fucking way to go but I think that to people who are maybe looking for like what one step in the right direction is like that could be it vet people out and let them know we're not fucking down for this shit you know what i mean i don't have to now show up to a space i can show up to a space now and be like god trump fucking tweeted again well what an idiot and not have to worry about whether or not people in that community are going to be offended you're not because i vetted you friend you know what i mean <laughs> granted he doesn't have twitter anymore but it's like, like I said, this is not, oh my gosh, do what I did because I'm the example. No, 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 no. If anyone is the example, it is not me. But that is one step that I think was the right step that I found a lot of responses from my community is like, thank you, you know, in different ways for like, just recognizing the fact that if I'm coming into this space, is it just going to be a bunch of white blonde girls sitting around a circle, like giggling about Brad Pitt? No. That's so specific. <laughs> I just thought about any like slumber party that I've ever been to. Uh, like I would have said like maybe like uh, Harry Styles is that is he still relevant? I mean I don't know. I watched the Oscars last night and Brad Pitt was looking like a snack. So maybe two nights ago. So that's I top of mind. The whole time like me and Daniel Kalula like he's mm. double chocolate treble. Oh my god, that man. Mm. Yeah. there you go <laughs> so yeah i mean like i said that's one thing but like to, do you have a thought about this whole like make a mistake you're going to yeah yeah you're gonna fuck up just like whenever you start a business and you're like i'm scared to do this because you know you're gonna fuck up and it's okay you know everything for one even all the way down to allyship everyone has to practice it's gonna take practice to to be the best version of yourself as an ally or a co-conspirator or an activist or what have you it's you're gonna mess up it's going to happen 
And that is 100% okay because you'll just be corrected and you learn from it and then you can continue to be better and continue to, to be an ally to folks and continue to create services and resources for people and continue to speak up. You know, the last thing that you want to, to happen is to be in a space where someone does say something racist or sexist or homophobic and you don't know what to say and you're scared to say anything because you're scared to say the wrong thing. Right. It would much better be coming from you to say something and to correct it than not say anything at all. Because then that person basically gets away with saying whatever they said because they, they feel like they can be safe in that space when you already know that that's not how things work. That's right. not that's not how you want to be in that space, right? And then at that point, you don't feel safe because you just heard that thing. It's like, uh, and you're yo, like, no, like, you're an asshole. <laughs> like, come on. Right. It was like I was in a clubhouse right. room and they they were like, yeah, you know, my tribe of women, and then someone else said like, yeah, my tribe of women, and I was like, guys, you gotta stop. Like, we're done with that. Like, aren't yeah. we past that by now? Like, we're not doing that anymore. Um, exactly. I'm not going to say that I don't have, I have a shirt that says girl tribe on it. And I'm like, I'm not wearing this anymore. I've learned and now I'm doing better. And the thing is, is that I think that people think they're going to get crucified, but guess what? You're not a celebrity and you're not saying something wild. You're not jumping yeah. on a couch saying extreme things. The, the things that I have been called out on and learned, I'm not like really called out. Someone will just be like, you know, I, you probably don't know this. So I'm going to point this out to you silently in the DMs in private. And I'm like, wow, that's a why would I ever have that perspective because I don't have that background? Thank you. You just took the time out of your day to give me that piece of knowledge and I didn't know. And now I know, mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of people are like, well, they're gonna, what? Hurt your feelings? Exactly, exactly. So there's just, I would definitely wow. recommend Oh, my husband's texting me. <laughs> I'm almost done, babe. I'm sorry. Um, I promise. I I promise. Like, taking the time to really speak your mind. Like if something's bothering you and it's happening, like say something, acknowledge it. Because people, people are going to be, especially if you run a community, people are going to look to you. If you know you have like a group of favorites and mm -hmm. people who love the shit out of you, they will look to you, right? It's better to say something than nothing at all literally so much better to say something than nothing at all especially if you know the whole country or the whole world knows about it and you're not saying anything a leader Funny. does not do the right thing all the time a leader <laughs> does the right thing when they can and when they do the wrong thing they own up to it and then you fucking move on and then you move okay. on yes absolutely and it's a good lesson your mistake now becomes a lesson that you can teach to the people who are learning from you you know well i I just love you so much and thank you for being on here. And I don't want to take you too long because your husband is asking for your attention and I don't blame him because you're such a gem. Um, but also I wanted to say thank you that we're even like diving so deeply into this topic because you talk about this all day, every day, and it's probably exhausting. And I hope that none of this triggered you, but I really appreciate the conversation because um, I think it's important. It's not one I've ever had on my podcast you know there's a lot that we do behind the scenes that is like diverse and I'll be honest there are times when I'm like oh if you guys knew what we did sometimes behind the scenes but it's like I I don't want to do that because I don't want to be like by the way guess what we're doing it's like no yeah there's there's no. ways of, of being able to showcase what you're doing to ensure that your business is inclusive diverse and ethical and sustainable without being performative and it's important to you, you to ensure that you're not being performative exactly no 100 like 
you don't post block squares and like call it a day. Like you say, no, I'm going to go into my policies and my procedures and my product suite and see what I can actually create systemically within my business to then open the doors and say, yo, whoever wants to. It took me a minute to understand why payment plans shouldn't be necessarily costing extra. And then I was like, I have learned. And now, and what do I get from it? Honestly, I like the monthly recurring revenue anyway. Yeah. But V, thank you for being here. I mean, guys, honestly, if I were to tell you like five Instagram accounts to follow and then stop following everybody else, one of them would be yours. The VP Aww. right. Wait, no, that's your email. Is your Instagram no, just VP right? Everything is the same on all of my social media. So all of my socials on Instagram, Twitter, I don't use Facebook anymore like that. Clubhouse, that's all I'm active on for the most part. That's At smart though. V- Thanks. Yes, it was very very strategic. At the VP Wright, T-H-E-V as in Victor, P as in Pearl, Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. You can find me there. I'm most active on Instagram. And I also have a podcast as well that is has been relaunched this week. That's wild. New covering everything. Um ah! yeah. Uh so you can follow me there. All the information there is live. Everything about my programs, all that is there. But like if you listen to this episode. I'm probably going to love you because I love Ashley. So just DM me <laughs> and say hi. Um, I'm yeah. a very friendly person. She's not a very friendly person. She's the friendliest person. She always I bought Ashley five Sims four packs and I didn't even know her. I just knew that she loved the Sims. And I was like, oh, we're friends now. Here you go. <laughs> I can't, still can't believe that day. Do you realize like, okay, guys. I love The Sims so much. Granted, I'm in the stage where like I haven't touched it in three months, but I know I'm coming back full swing. I'm there too. Yeah. (laughs) But I was playing The Sims. She wrote me and was like, what's your email? And she bought me all these different expansion packs. And I was like, that was like the best gift that I had gotten in five years. I was like, this is the nicest thing that anybody has ever done for me in my entire life. And then from then on, we've just like been friends and well, duh, because you bought me Sims packs. So it's like, where do you think you're going? But... (laughs) And then you're coming to St. Louis soon, and I'm excited to see you. Yeah, me too. It's going to be good to get to give you a hug, and then we can go grab food. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, cool. give her a follow, and um, thank you so much for being here, V. I just love you so much. I love you. Guys, see you next time on the Daily Hype Podcast, and I'll talk to you later. And that's a wrap on the Daily Hype Podcast for today. I hope that you enjoy this and I hope you come back for more. Thank you guys so much, by the way, for the reviews. That is so big for a podcast. And listen, if you're not reviewing, at least you're sharing this with your friends. You're telling me that you love this. You're putting this on Instagram. It means the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will see you next time.